You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. In our, in our prayer series, we're ready for Scripture praying. And in a nutshell, it's basically getting into the Word and letting the Word be the foundation and the springboard for prayer. There's times when you study the Word, and, and when you're studying the Word, you're getting out your tools and you're, you're really plowing in it. That's not what we're talking about when we're saying using the Scriptures in prayer. When you're using Scriptures in prayer, it's more of a devotional concept. It's where you're reading, as you're reading the Word, you allow kind of the Holy Spirit to breathe on those portions of Scripture that really are significant for you that moment, that day. And as, as you find where those are, you want to just stay and tarry and spend some time meditating on those Scriptures and then seeing how those actually come into play in your prayer life. What do you do with them? Is it, is it something that the Lord is using to try to stir your faith, to believe Him for, to trust Him for? Is it something that is, uh, He's taken it and He's attaching it to another person or another situation? And he wants you to pray into that. When it comes to current events, I am just like worse than worse. Usually Marcus gives me my current events as I'm on my way to church. He lets me know, you know, what's happening in the world and, you know, what disaster has happened over here and what disasters happened there. And, you know, if Purdue's won or IU's lost or, you know, those kind of things. So he keeps, he keeps me in the know. But I saw that in New York City last night, right before I went to prayer or went to bed, I, I saw that there was 25 people that were injured in a bomb explosion, and, and I just thought, oh, and my heart went out uh, for that situation, and and it, it became a way to just kind of pray into that. So when we're talking about prayer, we're not talking about just a program. We're not talking about a a, a a concept where you've got to do this and then this and then this. Prayer is something that should be continuous. And if you don't have your Bible, and the last thing as you put your iPhone down is that you see that 25 were injured in a bomb explosion, let that be something that's a call to pray. And I find that in, in uh, Graham Cook's crafted prayer, I, I just think he's got something that is so, so amazing and so pertinent for us. It keeps us from, from falling into the trap that somehow God did something or didn't do something based on my performance. And that's just not true. We get the honor of partnering with him, but oftentimes as as creatures that can be so deceived so quickly, the enemy can come in and make us feel responsible when we prayed for something that didn't come to pass. And then we get filled with condemnation. He's, he's whispering in our ear, and you call yourself a Christian, and what kind of faith you are. You're still in preschool. You can, if you'd been up to you know, PhD level, that prayer would have been answered. And so there's all sorts of shame and condemnation that comes with that when we think that somehow my performance has something to do whether what God answers the prayer yes or no. Mm. And a lot of times we pray to try to get God's favor instead of praying from a place of favor. 
We want to pray from the place of knowing that we have the favor of the Lord. We are loved. We're at peace with Him. He cares infinitely about us. And, and it's from the position of being in His presence that we pray. Now, Graham, I, I've been applying a lot of this with John Newell, and we're going to pray here in a little bit. But when, when I look at John, I've been trying to, one, first of all, get in the presence of the Lord, which He's always here, but for me to consciously be aware of that and connect with that. And that's something that I sometimes have to release a bunch of stuff so that I can so that I can start breathing right and, and start seeing and thinking right and getting out of the chaos and the calamities and get into His presence. But I've been asking the Lord, Lord, how are you praying for John? And you take that and put any situation that you have, but we'll use John as our example today. And so I... I on Thursday, as we were praying, I sensed that I, I came into the throne room of the Lord. It took a while of just worship and quieting and getting all the, the noise to die down mentally and spiritually and physically. And as I got in that place and as I came into the presence of the Lord, I was able to come to the throne and just say, okay, I know, Father, you've got Jesus who's interceding for us as our great high priest. And we got the Holy Spirit who's interceding for us with groans that there's not words that can even express. So how is the Holy Spirit and how is Jesus praying for John? Because I want to put my amen with their prayers. And so I, I, I stay there and I, and I just wait and I wait and I wait and, I, and I'm listening and trying to hear how I can cooperate with the prayers that are being prayed in heaven and can pray them on earth so that it will be on earth as it is in heaven. And as, as the Holy Spirit begins to bring understanding and, and the Lord, I, I had a real sense, and, and I shared this with Karen, that there was like a pouring out from heaven. Oftentimes in, in Revelation, the bowl is, is, and oftentimes incense and the bowl of incense, it gets poured out. Sometimes, you know, they've got plagues and stuff like that that are coming. But other times, they are the prayers of the saints. You know, and, there's, and I, I sensed that there was a bowl of healing oil and it was being poured out to the earth. And I was, I was connecting and I believe it was to going to John. And as soon as I saw that, when I got with Karen, we were in a, in a very serious test, uh, trying to figure out what's going on, why his blood cells were up, and why his bilirubin kept climbing, and what was going on. And they were, they were hoping that there was some level of fluid in the liver that they could drain out. And so he went into a procedure to have, have this, so that they could aspirate, the, the fluid out of the litter, liver, but when they stuck the needle in, there was nothing to aspirate. Which Karen's surgeon told her that if that happens, that's not good. It indicates that his liver is, is failing. 
And so now I'm reconciling what I perceived Thursday night and then the reality on Friday. And it's like, okay. Anytime we can get our eyes on the circumstances, it's not that we don't pray in ignorance. It's okay. But I find that a lot of things that, that we, we get exposed to, the enemy knows how to play them in our heart to just diffuse faith, just to take the wind out of our sails. And Karen was, was visibly, visibly traumatized when she got the words that came out of, uh, of the, uh, the procedure. And it was like, oh, Lord Jesus. We've got we've to feel what we feel, but then we've got to regroup and get to what we know we know we know. Now, I haven't heard a word from the Lord that Jesus has said that John's going to be absolutely healed. But I have had a word that I know that John is alive in Christ and he will never die. If, his, if, if something happens to his body, that, that, that's not going to stop his eternal life. His eternal life is there forever and ever and ever. And so I've, I'm not taking that as some kind of religious consolation. I just take that as foundational truth, that that is a given. And from that, to contend and to war and to continue to press in to what we see the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus doing. John has, has been talking about going home. He's tired. His body's gone over a month through stuff that's unbelievable. He doesn't want to leave Karen. But he's tired. He's exhausted. I, I can't even tell you how much he weighs, but he doesn't, he, he's less than half of what he was. And it, it, it's, it's hard to see and he's exhausted and he's tired. And, and as I was talking with Karen, I said, she said, what do I tell John? And I said, tell John what we've always told John. You follow Jesus. And if Jesus comes to get you, you follow him. And if he doesn't, you stay right where Jesus is. You stay with Jesus. We're not going to let an angel of light come in and try to masquerade and try to write an ending to this. The only one we're going to follow is Jesus. And so we're going to keep our eyes fixed on him. And so that's what we're telling John. John, you're going to follow Jesus. You have in the past, we are in the present, and we will in the future. We will follow Jesus. That seemed to give Karen peace, it gave me peace, and it gave John peace. And so as we pray, I'm praying for a miracle. Right now the stage is set for God to show off and to show his glory like none other. There is, I don't think there's anything else medical community can do. They've, they've done everything they can do. Uh, however, Dr. Sipa still says there's still hope. There's still hope. Oh, there's still hope. He hasn't told her 100%. And this is a no-nonsense kind of surgeon. He's, I just really have grown to appreciate him.
And, uh, and I'm praying for him. And when, when you start praying and you get into the presence in the throne room of God and you see what Jesus and the Holy Spirit before the Father are praying to the Father, then you can say, and what is the prayer for Dr. Sipa? What are you praying there? This, this young man is an amazing young man. And he's going to have many, many more very seriously ill uh, surgical candidates in his future. And I'm just praying, Lord, I want to pray the prayers that you're praying for this man. I think when we start to pray that way, it really makes all the difference in the world. I've got a zillion quotes from a lot of men of prayer, but the one that just kind of captured me most is, is George Mueller, the, the guy in England who had the orphanage. Uh, when he was 90 years old, when he was 90 years old, he made this statement. He's never prayed a prayer that was not answered. Now this isn't yes, no, no. He never prayed a prayer that didn't come to pass. Okay? We could all say, well, I've never prayed a prayer that wasn't answered. Yeah, God said no. <laughs> that, that's not what he... But here's the genius, and I, I don't think a lot of us, you know, especially scholars who've studied George, kind of understand why George never had to know. is because he was so connected in the Holy Spirit. He was so enriched in the word of the Lord and he wasn't he wasn't uh, uh, sometimes you know our approach, our approach to scriptures sometimes we we get the Bible and our attitude toward this is that this is a tool that I can manipulate God with now we never say it quite like that but in our heart of hearts we think if I can know enough of this word then I can know how to get God to do what I want him to do you know, and so, so we use this sometimes as a rabbit's foot. We use this sometimes as a, as a tool to argue with God and to make demands. A lot of times when it comes to, to praying the Scriptures, it's like, God, your word says this, so therefore this. Boom. You know, and, and we say it not from a position of intimacy and love. We say it from a position of, I'm mad, and it's not going the way I want it to go. And God, I'm standing on your word. And you're the problem. But we don't quite say it that way, but that's what we feel. So start doing what your word says. Otherwise, you're a liar and I'm throwing the book away. You know, and we, we give ultimatums to God. We argue, we bargain, we go everywhere with it. There's so many ways to approach this book. But the only way to approach it is from love. If you know that this is a book that is designed to convey to you the love of God and the revelation of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the gospel, it's the only way you can read this book and not get screwed up. Any other foundation? The enemy knows every way in which we've approached God's word wrong. And he knows how to get us tripped up. He brings in doubts. I've seen baby Christians who've had a born-again experience with Jesus and alive with the Lord, and they start reading the Bible, and the enemy comes, and pretty soon they don't believe anything. Why? Because they read the Bible. 
And they started in the Old Testament and died somewhere around Leviticus. You know, and, and so it's just like praying Scripture can be life-giving. But we don't pray from Scripture to where we get these promises and we've got them listed and now we're squeezing God to stand good by His promise. No. Out of our love relationship with God, we see these incredible promises that He's given to us. We see them and we say, Lord, do I pray this one for John? Do I pray this one for me? Does, is this the one that you want me to pray now for this situation? And it, it's a living relationship. A lot of times when, when, we, when, we, when we use the, the Bible as something that we, we have on God, it's not coming from relationship. It's coming from a knowledge contest. And so we want to prove that we know something. Therefore, God, you've got to do it. Do it from love. Read it from love. And read it with the Holy Spirit. Anytime you're in the Scriptures and you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you, it's amazing how crazy that can get. You know, a lot of times people like to just say, well, you know, I got up the other day and I thought, Lord, I don't know where to read, so where shall I read? And they open the Bible and they, and they read something and they say, wow, that was really good. So they try the, that technique the next day. And they got up and they say, Lord, I really need to hear a word from you. It says, and Judas went out and hung himself. And you say, oh Lord, I better pick another one. Go thou and do likewise. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, you, get, you, can, you can get some really crazy stuff. And we have an enemy who is there to encourage us to misinterpret this as much as possible. But we also have an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who is our guide, our counselor, our comforter, the spirit of truth, who wants us to know the truth because he knows the truth will set us free. So Holy Spirit's absolutely important if we're going to get this right. Okay? Sorry. I, I was going to do that 10 minutes late. Okay. Oh, and I didn't even turn on my recording. Oh, my son is going to be upset with me. Oh, well, we'll just say we worshiped all morning. And said that. So you won't have it on the podcast. <laughs> okay. So let's pray. Father, you are so wonderful. You're so good. Mm, your goodness has been manifested among us today, and we can't say anything other than you are good. You're loving, you're kind, you're gracious. Mm. You love your children. And today we come and we gather and we want to pray the very prayers that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for John today. And so as we, as we come into your presence, as we come into the throne room, we say, Lord, would you, would you show us how to pray? Show us how to pray for John. Show us how to pray for Betsy. Show us how to pray for Maddie. Yes. Show us how to pray for Mike. And then you fill in the rest. Just show us, Lord, how to pray for each of the situations that are among us. I'll just take a few moments and let him show you.
Well, this can be dangerous. But I'm going to ask you, as the Lord shows you how to pray for John, to lead us in prayer. I'm going to bring the microphone up here. I'll have it next to me. And if the Lord is showing you something to pray for John, and it's corporate, I invite you to come and share it. I thought it was quickened for myself this week, and probably was, but um, Ephesians chapter 3 was just so highlighted to me this week, and I just uh, asked the Lord to encourage John and Karen as I was encouraged this week. Though I am the least, Paul speaking, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So don't lose heart because of my trials here. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how high, how wide, how deep that His love is for us. Then we will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And that's just hit and miss verses in Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you. Thank you. Good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just went immediately in my mind to this scripture where a man says to Jesus, you can heal me if you want to, and Jesus says, I want to. So I think that's what he's saying to the Father. So, Lord, we just agree with your prayer now. You want to heal John, and so let it be done. Let your desire, Lord, your desire be satisfied completely. I was really heavy with for John yesterday morning, and I was crying out to God about how we should pray for John in this hour. And the vision and scripture from Kings came to me where Elijah laid over the dead son of, of the widow. And, he, and, and so I sensed the Lord just saying he was breathing life into John. And so I kind of hung on to that word life because that gave me a sense of maybe what Jesus was praying for John. And so then I went to uh, Deuteronomy 30, and Jesus is saying, I, I set before you, or God is saying, life and death, I would that you would choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And so that's the word I felt like I had for John. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So we thank you for your word, Lord. We want to stand with you with the things that you're praying for, John. We just say amen to everything that the Holy Spirit is praying and everything that Jesus is praying in regards to John, Betsy, Maddie, Mike, mm, every loved one, every person that's in need. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.